How's everybody doing today? You doing okay? Right on. Well, welcome to church. Welcome to New Life. My name is Dave, and I get to be one of the pastors on staff out at the North Platte campus. And so I don't get to be here in Kearney very often on a Sunday morning. So how's everybody in Kearney doing? Doing well? Right on. Right on. I want to say a special welcome to everybody in North Platte, not just our North Platte campus, but everybody that's worshiping with us from our Ogallala campus as well. Exciting times out in the western part of the state. And I want to welcome everybody that's worshiping with us online, whether you're, you're traveling or you're homesick or you're watching this in the future, or you're just kind of trying to check out new life uh, before you actually walk through the doors, you want to check us out online, and we welcome that. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being a part of worship today. We are here for the final Sunday in our teaching series called King Me. King Me, it's been a phenomenal series where we're looking at the topic of authority. And we've really been looking at it through kind of two different angles, two different perspectives. One, first being who has authority in your life? Are you wearing the crown of authority and control in your life? Or have you taken that off and you've surrendered it to God to say, God, I need you to be the authority in my life. All right. Secondly, then we look at how do we handle authority well when it's given to us here in this life? When we are a boss or we're a manager, we're a teacher, we're a parent, we're an older sibling, whatever the case may be, when we have some authority how do we handle it well? How are we uh, to use it and be good stewards of the authority that we've been given? Now, it's been an incredible series, and I wish I could go back and kind of recap the other weeks from this series, but I've got too much content for you today. If you missed any of the weeks of King Me, then I highly encourage you go to mynewlifechurch.com where you can get caught up on the other four weeks of the series. Now, uh, we've been looking at the life of King David and today we're going to take a look at one more critical aspect of David's story that each one of us needs to learn from. Each one of us needs to really grasp this in order to make the most of this life and be headed in the right direction. And that is this. We're going to look at his circle of friends. Now, he had a lot of friends, and if you read through 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, you'll see a, a lot of different people walk into David's life that were critical to him being successful. But today, for just simplicity's sake, we're going to look at two different people today. All right, we're going to look at King Saul, and we're going to look at Jonathan. See, when you are in a position of authority, it's vital that you surround yourself with the right people but it's also vital that you recognize who is not a right person for your close circle of friends. So I want you to ask yourself right now, who is in my circle of friends? Who is in my circle uh, that, that I allow to influence me, whether it's good or bad, who is close to me? Maybe it's a family member or it's friends, it's coworkers, it's people you grow, grew up with, or it's people here at the church or in your life group. Who is in your circle? That's what we're going to be talking about today. What characteristics define the people that are closest to you? If you're looking and, and you're kind of thinking through the people that are close to you and maybe they're not uh, the best influence, I'm going to give you some tips pulled out of Jonathan's life that are going to be characteristics you want to look for in people to draw close to you. Now, how many of you remember a few years ago, the, the cell phone company T-Mobile, they had their Fave 5 uh, feature where if you had, you could pick five people and they're probably the people you called the most 
And, and if you had them in your Faith Five, you could talk to them unlimited, whether it's landline, cell phone, didn't matter, okay? We're obsessed in this culture with our close friends, our favorites. If T-Mobile wasn't your thing, how about MySpace? Anybody remember MySpace? Yes, Pastor Javen over here does. Nobody else does. That's okay. Javen, you and I probably spent way too long on our top eight friends where the top eight friends on your MySpace profile was seen by everybody. And not just your top eight, but you had to put them in like the right order. And we spent hours and hours upon this. The characteristics of your closest Friends reveal much about you and the direction of your life. I want you to remember this. When you choose your friends, you choose your future. When you choose your friends, you choose your future. And you're going to see from David's life that it was crucial that he chose Jonathan as a friend of his. And his life, you'll see, depended upon it. You could easily make the case that if David did not have Jonathan in his life, David does not walk into the future that God has for him. He probably doesn't walk at all. He probably gets killed, okay? So remember that. When you choose your friends, you choose your future. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs chapter 13, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. So this circle of friends that you're considering right now, you want to have full of wise people. Why? Because you're going to become more wise simply by being around them. Eugene Peterson wrote it this way in the message, become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools, and what? Watch your life fall to pieces. Watch your life fall to pieces. Now, there are four basic scenarios when it comes to your circle. When it comes to your circle, the first one is you don't have anyone in it. You don't let anyone in it. You guard your circle and you're, you know, you're proud or you're insecure or whatever. You're burned by your past and you don't let anybody in. Let me tell you right now, that's not healthy. Okay. We are better together. That's one of our core values here at New Life. We live that out in a lot of different ways. But if you find yourself right now and you're thinking, I don't have anyone in your, in, in my circle, then this is a great message for you because you're going to hear some characteristics that you want to be looking for in people that you can add to your circle. The second scenario is that you've got the wrong people in your circle. You've got a circle full of fools and your life has fallen apart or it's marked by drama and insecurity and instability and toxicity and all things that are unhealthy, all right? We're gonna look at what you can do to create a better circle. Or option number three, scenario number three, is you have all the right people in your circle. By the grace of God, you just have the perfect people in your life. They never make mistakes. They never make life hard. They never cause drama. There's nothing toxic. Everything's healthy. And you and your circle walk around singing, everything is awesome. Lego fans, anybody? All right. Okay. Everything's cool when you're part of a team. All right. I've got little kids. Okay. Um, but let's be honest. That's probably not the case. Probably not everybody that's close to you in your circle is perfect and the right people. Most of us, we end up in the fourth scenario, and that is our circle of friends has some of the right people, but also some of the wrong people. Some people that are healthy for us and help us become better, and others that maybe hold us back because they aren't healthy for us. This is the circle that we find David in when we begin looking at his story. For the sake of clarity, we're not going to look at everyone David had in his circle. Like I said, we're going to narrow it down just to Saul and Jonathan. 
You've got King Saul on the, the end of the spectrum that is unhealthy, and that's kind of the understatement, okay? And then all the way on the other uh, opposite end of the spectrum is Jonathan, who is the right person for David to have in his circle. Now, I think it's worth noting that David chooses Jonathan to be a part of his circle. David did not choose Saul to be a part of his circle, but he was a part of David's circle based out of circumstance. He's the king. David was chosen to serve him. And so, like it or not, he found himself around Saul. So he had the right people and the wrong people as part of his circle. Now, just briefly, in case you haven't been here yet, or you need to just kind of have a, a recap of what we've learned about Saul, here are five quick things about uh, things that you don't want to find in the people close to you. These are five clues that these are wrong people for you, all right? So we're just going to go through these quickly. We spent a lot of time on Saul, so if you, if you missed any of these, go back and, and check out the messages. But number one, good friends, don't get jealous of your success, especially when you're on the same team. We saw where David goes out and defeats Goliath and then leads the Israelites to defeat the Philistines. And people start singing this song. They say, you know, King Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. And rather than champion that, rather than say, yeah, that's a guy I'm leading. He's on my team and we're successful. King Saul gets jealous of David. Good friends don't get jealous of your success. Number two, good friends don't throw spears at you. Okay? <laughs> They don't throw spears at you. Hopefully if they do, they're, they're bad at it like Saul was because he missed David three times. Good friends, don't send you out to fight giants with the hope of you getting killed by the giants. Okay, anybody been sent out to fight giants lately? Hopefully not, okay? Uh, how about this one? Good friends don't turn angry or afraid of you when they see God actively present in your life. There's a moment where it says that Saul recognized that the Lord was with David and he became afraid of David. It fueled his anger and his rage toward David. You don't want to fill your life with people that get jealous or angry when they see God actively at work in your life. When they, when they see that prayer is answered or they see you growing spiritually and they get upset or they're negative about it, that's an indication that's not a good friend. And lastly, good friends don't try to kill you, okay? So now that we've covered that, I hope you don't have anyone in your circle going to those extremes you may have people in your, in your circle that still aren't healthy for you, but hopefully they're not to those extremes. On the flip side, let's look at Jonathan. Jonathan is a great example of the right person to have in your circle. And as we dive into scriptures, we look at the life of Jonathan. I want you to have these two questions in mind. The first one is who in my circle or who in your circle possesses these characteristics? Who in my circle possesses the characteristics of Jonathan as it pertains to his relationship, his friendship with David? And then the second question is, who would say that I embody these qualities for their circle? So it's not all about what we get out of our friendships and out of our circle of friends, but who would say that these, these key characteristics that Jonathan lives out, who would say that I exhibit those for them? All right, David and Jonathan first meet at the beginning of 1 Samuel 18, so let's go there. By the time David had finished reporting to Saul about the battle, about defeating the Philistines, Jonathan, King Saul's son, was deeply impressed with David. An immediate bond was forged between them. He became totally committed to David. From that point on, he would be David's number one advocate and friend. So as I said before, 
When you choose your friends, you choose your future. Here, David chooses well. He and Jonathan, they form this bond, and it says that Jonathan is David's number one advocate and friend. This kind of reminds me of the time that I met Tiffany Baker. Okay, as many of you know her as Tiffany Baker. We were both involved at a church in uh, Omaha called Flatland Church. And yeah, Flatland, there we go, yes. And so we're hanging out at Flatland Church. I'd been there for a while. I'd really found my faith after growing up in the church and then being distant from God for a long time. I find my faith and I'm serving God and, and serving in the church. And some of the church leadership, they come to me because I was an elementary school teacher at the time. And they wanted to start a kids club in downtown Omaha where we were going to plant a new campus. Tiffany was going to school to be a teacher. And then there was another teacher that uh, they thought, man, let's put the three of these guys together because they can go down, start a kids club, and then, then we can actually start meeting families before we plant the campus, before we plant that location. And so fast forward a little ways, we get into, uh, you know, this, this kids club. And I'm thinking, man, Tiffany Baker, there is something special about her. She is awesome. And so there's this one, uh, one Saturday morning in the middle of winter, uh, we wake up and I'm getting text messages from different leaders. Hey, are we going to have kids club today? Because it's snowing. It's super cold. The wind is blowing and it's just kind of a mess. Not quite a blizzard, but pretty close. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, okay, number one, these kids need Jesus. Okay. But number two, I want to hang out with Tiffany Baker. And so we still had it. We still had it. And we are hanging out about 45 minutes before the start of Kids Club. And we're kind of looking around thinking, who in the world is going to come today? Like, this is ridiculous. Why are we here? And I look at Tiffany. I just said, hey, we know where our kids live. How about we go door to door? Let's go let them know that they are at, we're still having Kids Club. And if we need to give them rides, we'll give them rides and we'll go round them up. And she didn't waste any time. She didn't hesitate. She went after it with me. And I remember it was, it was blowing enough that you kind of had to lean forward. You know what I'm talking about? Like in Nebraska where you have to lean forward so you don't get blown over backwards. We are leaning forward, walking like headfirst into the snow. And I look over and there's Tiffany Baker doing the same thing. And I'm sitting there like, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. This is somebody that's going to make me a better person. And I chose in that moment, uh, I made a decision to continue to pursue her because I wanted her to be a part of my circle. And in doing so, that has forever impacted my future. All right. For those of you that don't know Tiffany Baker, then a little while later became Tiffany Cummings. She's my wife and we're celebrating 10 years this year. Okay. It's incredible. Yeah. You can celebrate that. That's good. Now, when you choose your friends, you choose your future. So not long after David and Jonathan uh, meet, it's when Saul turns against David. He becomes jealous. He becomes angry. He gets full of rage, and he tries multiple times unsuccessfully to kill David. So starting in 1 Samuel chapter 19, let's take a look at the five characteristics of a right person for your circle as seen lived out by Jonathan. Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. But Jonathan, because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the field. I'll ask my father to go out there with me and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. The first thing we see from Jonathan is this, that a right person for your circle will warn you when they see trouble coming. 
Jonathan looked into the future and could see, hey, David, I think there might be some trouble for you. I don't know what his first clue was. Maybe it was the fact that his father wanted to assassinate David. I don't know. But he looked into the future and he saw trouble and he warned David. Tiffany does that for me all the time. One of my weaknesses is not saying no to stuff, especially stuff that I love to do. It happened this week. Okay, we've got a lot going on. As you, you know, you've uh, heard us talk about, we've got the new building in North Platte. We're doing a bunch of landscaping to that. We're planting in Ogallala, so we've got stuff going on there, along with all the other normal things that we have going on during the week. And somebody asked me to do something this week that I absolutely love, but I don't think I really had margin in my schedule to do it. And I wrestled with that. I said, hey, can I tell you tomorrow? Can I, can I give you my answer tomorrow? And I go home and I'm talking to Tiffany about it at lunch. And she just said, I don't think you should do it. I think you got enough going on right now. And I kind of was like, okay, God, yeah, you're right. Thanks for giving me, Tiffany. That's wise. But I took about 48 more hours to tell the person no because I really wanted to do it. But Tiffany could see that if I have too much on my plate, that causes trouble. And she was able to warn me, hey, if you say yes to this, then other things are going to suffer you got to have somebody in your, in your life willing to warn you when they see trouble coming. Continuing on, 1 Samuel 19, verse 4. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. And that's where we see our second truth about a right person for your circle. It's this, the right person for your circle will boast about you behind your back. Jonathan goes to Saul and he starts telling Saul, reminding Saul of all of these good things about David. He's telling him all these good things. He's boasting about David behind his back. Now, when I, when I say the words behind your back, typically we go negative, don't we? We think of people that have gossiped about us, people that are bad-mouthing us, people that are throwing us under the bus. But that's not what Jonathan does behind David's back. He boasts about David. He's telling King Saul about how good David is. You want to find people like that. And the way that you can do that is to listen to how somebody talks to you about somebody else. If they're talking about how good they are and how faithful they are or how they help them or whatever, if they've got just good things to say about that person, what they're actually communicating is, hey, that's a person not the one they're talking about, but the person that's talking. I want to pull them into my circle because they're boasting about somebody else behind their back. That tells me when they're talking to somebody else about me, they're probably going to say some good things. They're not going to be gossiping. They're not going to be talking about, bad about, my, uh, about me behind my back. But if someone is talking bad about someone else to you, then you can be pretty confident that when you're not around, they're going to be talking bad about you to somebody else. And so... Keep that in mind when you're looking at trying to figure out who is good for my circle, who is somebody to avoid having in my circle. All right, continuing on. Uh, after Jonathan honors their friendship, it goes on. He says, the king must not sin against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant, Goliath, and how the Lord brought a great victory to all Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason for it at all. And that's where we see the third characteristic of a right person for your circle. They will plead for you on your behalf. 
I want those close to me to have my back, and I will have theirs. We see here Jonathan not just saying good things about David, but he is pleading for his safety on David's behalf. So then the result of that, continuing on the next verse. So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, as surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Afterward, Jonathan called David. He pulled out his T-Mobile cell phone and used that Fave 5 feature. He called him up and told him what had happened. Then he brought David to Saul, and David served in the court as before. Now, unfortunately, this didn't last very long. Saul said, hey, he won't be killed. As surely as, you know, David's going to be fine. But that doesn't last very long. Why? Because David goes out and he's once again successful against the Philistines and that stirs up jealousy. That stirs up rage. That stirs up envy and anger within Saul. Saul again throws his spear at David and misses. This is the third time that's at least recorded where Saul throws a spear at David and David then dodges it and then he flees. Saul then sends troops to David's house to kill him, the Bible tells us. He sends troops to his house to kill him. Now, I want to pause because I think this is for somebody right here. It can be really challenging when you have the wrong person in your circle to distance yourself from them. But in this moment, David, he's honored Saul. And in fact, he never stops honoring Saul. But he's given him chance after chance after chance And eventually, David moves to where he kicks Saul out of his circle. You may have somebody in your life right now that is over and over again damaging to you, and it's okay to distance yourself from them. You don't have to badmouth them. You don't have to try to hurt them. But it is okay to distance yourself from somebody that's in your circle that shouldn't be. Even if that person, you've been around them for a long time. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. It's okay to distance yourself, just as David did from Saul, if it's to preserve the future that God has for you. At the beginning of 1 Samuel chapter 20, David finds Jonathan, and that's where we're going to pick up this story. He's not only fled, okay, but he's now left his house, and he and Jonathan meet up. David now fled from Naoth and Ramah and found Jonathan. What have I done, he exclaimed. What is my crime? How have I offended your father that he is so determined to kill me? That's not true, Jonathan protested. You're not going to die. To which David had to be like, you've got to be kidding me. Have you like not been paying attention? You haven't had a spear thrown at you yet, all right? He always tells me everything he's going to do, even the little things. I know my father wouldn't hide something like this from me. It just isn't so. Then David took an oath before Jonathan and said, your father knows perfectly well about our friendship. So he has said to himself, I won't tell Jonathan. Why should I hurt him? But I swear to you that I'm only a step away from death. I swear it by the Lord and by your own soul. And look what Jonathan does. This is the sign of a good friend. Tell me what I can do to help. Tell me what I can do to help. Jonathan exclaimed. Jonathan at this point He just inserts himself into the story and says, David, I care enough about you. How can I help you? If you are right, if my dad is trying to kill you, what can I do? What can I do to help you? The fourth characteristic to look for in a friend is one that will ask what they can do to help. They're going to look at you, and for no other reason that they care about you and they love you, they're going to ask, how can I help you? 
It's not all about what can I get from you in this friendship, but how can I help you? As a boss or as a leader, ask those that you lead, what can I do to help you get the job done? Is there something that I can do? Is there something I can shift in the, in the schedule this week to help make your job easier so that you can accomplish what we need you to do for the company? Now notice, I'm not saying just, hey, ask them if you can do the job for them, but is there something I can do to help you? It's a great way to lead. It's selfless, and it communicates your buy-in to the overall mission and to their personal development. Asking if you can help. This is something that, again, my wife Tiffany does super well. On days when I've just got a million things going on, it's, it's frequent that she'll ask me, hey, what can I do to help you? Is there something that you can give to me that I can take care of so that you can focus on the things that only you can do? That's the type of friend you want in your circle. It's not somebody that's just going to enable you and, and just allow you to, to you know, uh, just skate by and not get things done and you know, jump in and do things for you, but it's just, hey, I care about you. How can I help? When was the last time you asked somebody, hey, how can I help you? We live in a culture of being busy. We live in a culture where it's almost like this badge of honor to say how busy we are. So the last thing that usually is on our mind is to say, hey, how can I help you? But as we see here from Jonathan, that is one characteristic of a right person for your circle of friends. And just as a bit of a side note here, you've heard a lot about July 13th. We're going to finish our landscaping and do a bunch of different things on a big scale, not just a personal level. The North Platte campus, we need your help. We need your help, uh, whether you're, you're here in Kearney or you're watching in North Platte or Ogallala or you're online. July 13th, we invite you to sign up. Uh, you can go to mynewlifechurch.com slash global, and we're going to continue to transform the outside of our building that we're going to be moving into next year. Uh, we've already had people, we've been doing some of the landscaping, we've had people not connected to our church pay attention, and they're like, hey, what's going on over there? I love that I can actually see the building now from the street, and we want to continue that transformation. One of the ways that you can help is by signing up. If you're busy on the 13th, then pay attention because we've got trips out to Ogallala coming up in the coming months, and you can get involved there. All right, so who is someone who has recently asked you how they can help you? It might be an indication that they're a right person for your circle. Now, we don't have time to, to dive into and go verse by verse through the rest of the, the story here, so I, let me paraphrase a part of it. After Jonathan asks how he can help David, uh, David tells Jonathan, hey, you've got to find out if indeed Saul is trying to kill me. All right. Then they devise a plan. And Jonathan, he's going to go talk to Saul while David goes into hiding. Before they go, uh, Jonathan says, hey, we need a code. I need to be able to communicate to you. Yes, you are safe. He's not trying to kill you. Or you got to get out of here because he is going to try to kill you. And he says, so I'm going to go talk to my father. I'm going to come back out and I'm going to shoot arrows out into this field where you're going to be hiding nearby. And I'm going to have a boy with me. I'm going to send him out to go retrieve those arrows. And as he goes to grab them, I'm either going to say they're to the side, and that's code for everything's okay. You can come out of hiding. You're good to go. But if while he's running after them, I say go farther, go farther, that tells you that you've got to get out. Saul is going to try to kill you. You've got to get away. And so... After this, David goes into hiding and Jonathan goes to his father. And this is the conversation they have. So David hid himself in the field. And when the new moon festival began, the king sat down to eat. He sat at his usual place against the wall with Jonathan sitting opposite him and Abner beside him. 
But David's place was empty. Saul didn't say anything about it that day. For he said to himself, something must have made David ceremonially unclean. Which for their culture, if you did certain things, you were unclean and you weren't able to come and be a part of the meal for a day. But when David's place was empty again the next day, Saul asked Jonathan, why hasn't the son of Jesse... Now notice there, he doesn't even call him by David. He's so upset, he's so jealous, he's so insecure as a leader that he won't even refer to him by his first name. Why hasn't the son of Jesse been here for the meal either yesterday or today? Jonathan replied, David earnestly asked me if he could go to Bethlehem. He said, please, let me go, for we are having a family sacrifice, or in other translations, a family reunion, which, that's kind of a crazy family reunion, but anyways... My brother demanded that I be there. Something's lost in translation. So please let me go get away to see my brothers. That's why he isn't here at the king's table. Saul boiled with rage at Jonathan. You stupid son of a, shut your mouth. I'm not going to say that word in church. He swore at him. Do you think I don't know that you want him to be king in your place, shaming yourself and your mother? As long as that son of Jesse is alive, you'll never be king. Now go and get him so I can kill him. Now, don't you think by then Jonathan would know that Saul does, in fact, want to kill him? Anyways, but why should he be put to death, Jonathan asked his father. What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at Jonathan, intending to kill him. So at last, Jonathan realized that his father was really determined to kill David. All right, Jonathan's kind of stubborn. Some things don't really get through to him very well. But now he knows, hey, Saul, my father, is in fact trying to kill David. And this is where we learn the fifth thing that you want to look for in friends to have in your circle. The right person for your circle will be willing to put their life on the line for you. Jonathan did not cut and run from David out of fear for his own life. Instead, he put his life on the line for David. And that's the type of person you want to draw close to you. You want to have in your inner circle. So let me review real quick. The right person for your circle will warn you when they see trouble coming. They will boast about you behind your back. They will plead on your behalf, ask what they can do to help, and they will be willing to put their life on the line for you. As we close today, I want you to consider this. The ultimate friend to have in your circle, his name is Jesus. Jonathan lived this out. Jonathan's a great example of a wonderful friend to have close. But what we really see here is somebody that looks an awful lot like Jesus. Somebody that was willing to live a selfless life, a committed life, a loyal life. Jesus, he warns us through the power of the Holy Spirit when trouble is coming. He boasts on our behalf, he, or he boasts behind our back and he, he pleads on our behalf right now. Guess where Jesus is? He's at the right hand of God the Father pleading for you and for me. That's the type of friend I want in my circle. He sent the Holy Spirit in different places in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is referred to as an advocate. Why? Because he is here to help us. And when we surrender our life to Jesus, the Holy Spirit fills us and is our advocate. And then lastly, Jesus is a perfect example of a friend willing to put his life on the line for you. So today, as we consider our circle, I'd like to know, I want you to consider, where is Jesus in my circle? Is he somebody that I spend time with every day? Is he somebody that I communicate with? Or is he somebody that I'm keeping on the outside looking in? 
today as we go into a, a bit of a response time worship, you can, you can take the step of removing the crown of authority and leadership of your life and you can hand it over to Jesus. You can just say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. And when you make that move, when you take that crown and you give it over to Jesus, what that does is that opens the door for him to come be a part of your circle. Jesus is the friend that will forever transform your future. If you've given your life to Jesus, that's awesome. You might be wondering, well, what's, what's my next step? And I think there's two. I think you need to then shift your focus to the rest of the people that are on your, in your circle. What's missing from your circle? Who is in your life that maybe you need to pull closer? And then lastly, consider what are you bringing to the relationships that you have, the friendships that you have? Are you the right person for others? And if you aren't, then it sounds like that's something, that's an area of your life that God wants to work in. So why don't you stand to your feet as the worship teams come and maybe just take a moment to close your eyes and to consider what you've heard today. Not so much from what I've said, but what has God placed on your heart? What is that characteristic of a right person that has really stood out maybe more than the others? What's that characteristic or that, that friend that's in your life that you need to pull closer? What can you do to foster that relationship and form a greater bond? What do you need to do if today you can't get away from the fact that you've got the wrong person in your inner circle? In this response time, I would encourage you to cry out to God, that you press in and you lean into Him and you ask Him for the grace and the wisdom to know how to, just like David distance himself from Saul, how do you distance yourself from the wrong person? that wants to st steal, to disrupt, to kill that future that God has for you in your life? How do you get away from that person in a godly way? Let us pray. God, you are holy. You are mighty. You alone are worthy of our praise. You make it clear we are not to do life alone, that we are better together. Help us to identify those that we're supposed to pull close and those that we're supposed to distance ourselves from so that we can pursue the future that you have for us because the future you have for us is good. It's full of hope, full of joy and purpose. As we press in and as we seek your presence now, help us to discern relationships in our circles that are healthy and those that are not. Thank you for the people you placed in our lives that strengthen us and encourage us and help us stay in alignment with you just as Jonathan did with David. Lord, give us grace, give us wisdom to know how to deal with the unhealthy. And we ask you to bring into our lives godly friends and people who will influence our lives for the better. Lastly, God, thank you for sending your son to be our friend, to be our advocate, to lead the way back to you. Speak to us now in this response time as we lift our voices and as we worship you. God, we want nothing more than to connect with you and experience your presence. So Lord, have your way in this time. In Jesus' name.